clubs come in all different shapes and sizes. They have different focuses, they meet in various ways, and this flexibility is one of the best things about Rotary. Whether your club is small, large, or somewhere in between, there is a lot of work and effort that goes into creating a successful Rotary club. With all this work that needs to be done, it can sometimes seem overwhelming, especially when you have a smaller club. Today, we are going to talk about how small clubs can still be mighty in their community and world. To help illustrate that idea, we're going to share some excerpts from a conversation we had with two amazing club presidents and great examples of small but mighty clubs found in western New York. Let me introduce you to them now. We have Bruce Chapman from the Victor Farmington Club and Gene Hamilly from the Honeyoy Lake Club. So Gene, if you don't mind saying hi and introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Gene Hamley. I am currently president of our club, and uh, it's probably my fifth time being president. Uh, I love working with all our Rotarians. We're a very small but mighty club. We have 27 members. Um, I got into Rotary because my daughter became an exchange student in 20... Oh my goodness, in 2000, actually. And so I did join because I found what Rotary did, what it was all about. And I was very excited about that. So I joined and I actually was the very first female president. Um, our club is very, very active, even though we are a small club. And uh, I'm proud to be a member. It's very exciting for me. Perfect. We're going to dive into that. You know, your experiences as a club president, being club president five times. So hold on, because we're definitely going to come back to some of those topics. Um, but we want to okay. give Bruce an opportunity to introduce himself. So go ahead, Bruce. Sure. I'm Bruce Chapman, and I'm in the Victor Farmington Rotary Club. And in case the people listening to this, both Gene and I were in upstate New York near Rochester, New York. Um, our club is a little smaller than Honeyoy. We have 21 members. Um, I got involved in Rotary. Well, as a kid, my dad was involved in Rotary. So I would see, you know, things that he did. And then I got into our family insurance business. And my brother was already a member of a Rotary club. And I kind of followed in everyone's footsteps. So in 2000, I joined the Victor Farmington Rotary. And... Um, I've been president twice. Nowhere, I don't know of anyone who's been president five times. That's, that's impressive, Gene. Um, but uh, just like their club, we have many people in ours who have been president multiple times. Clubs have so much flexibility to organize in a way that best suits their needs. This is absolutely the case for both these clubs. Let's hear how they organize themselves to best fit the needs for their members and community. Well, let's, let's just dive right in then. I, I want to hear a little bit more about, uh, I guess we can say the intricacies of each club. We'll start with Gene and the Victor, or sorry, the Honeyoy Lake Club. Um, you said that you had 26 uh, members, is that correct? 27. 27 members. So tell us a little bit about how, how your club works. How, do, how often do you meet? Where do you meet? Uh, is there like any specific focus that your club has? Right now, we are meeting the first and third Thursdays of the month as a club. On the second Thursday, we have our fundraiser meeting. 
And on the fourth Thursday, we have our club board meeting. If there's a fifth Thursday, we play it by ear. Sometimes we have a meeting if needed and other times not. Um, right now we're meeting virtually because the restaurant we normally go to is closed for the winter and uh, hopefully they'll be opening again soon. And we do, when we have our in-person meetings, we do offer virtual or hybrid meetings, I guess I should say, in case there is someone that doesn't feel comfortable coming in person. They might be out of town, like right now, being in Florida, I do all the meetings virtually. And um, community service is a big focus for our club. We do so much for the local community, the country and internationally, that, that's our big focus is community service. Yeah, community service is, is awesome. And, and I think it's such a great way of really like engaging your members and the community. And I love that. So we were talking before this episode that I actually, when I was a youngster in elementary school, I lived in upstate New York. So I know exactly what Gene's talking about here, that places actually shut down for the winter, not because of COVID, not because of other things, because it's just so, so dang cold up there. Am I right? Yeah, and they, they don't get the business. Yeah. Especially being on the lake. Yeah, you guys you guys are tough. Um, you know, living in Chicago for a few years and we had cold, but upstate New York gets pretty, pretty bitter as well. So thanks for sharing about that. Um, Bruce, do you mind sharing a little bit about, about your club? How how you guys meet, how often, what what anything specific mm-hmm. about it? So we meet weekly at a local golf club um called Ravenwood. Um, we do have um, uh, Zoom uh, access also. There are some people, because we're a lunch club, so we'll have two or three people that will Zoom in uh, to our weekly meetings. Um, one of the things, we, we, we really like that kind of in-person atmosphere as much as possible. One of the things we try to do is have a lot of speakers. I think that, that uh, first of all, I think it's really interesting. And it's kind of a draw for the club, too, for, to, to be able to invite people to hear a speaker and hopefully generate some new members. Um, so we're pretty active in, in recruiting speakers. Once a month, we will have a club assembly, typically after our, um, our board of directors meeting, and just kind of keep the membership abreast of what's going on in, in our club. Uh, our focus, we do quite a bit locally. We have uh, some projects that we've been doing for quite a long time. Uh, among them are the, uh, we call it the giving tree. It's been going on about 30 years. And, and there's essentially a Christmas tree in a local grocery store. And people pull cards off from there and then they'll bring gifts in. In any given year, we could get up to 1,500 gifts. Those gifts will go to senior citizens and to children who are in need. Um, it's, 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 it's a big undertaking, but it's, it's immensely rewarding. Um, we will have one typically big fundraiser every year called the Taste of the Finger Lakes. Uh, we started that back in around 2000 as well. Well, it's been about 20 years, so I should say more like 20, 2012. But um, when we first started it, no one else was doing anything like it. 
And essentially what it is, it's the local wineries and local restaurants being able to kind of show off what they have and hopefully generate some business. So we'll, we'll generate about $10,000, $15,000 a year on that. Even though these two clubs are similar in size and might, they're absolutely organized in different ways. Honeyoy Lake meets twice a month and offers virtual hybrid meeting aspects year-round so that people can participate no matter where they are. For example, Jean is at her winter home in Florida right now. And if anyone knows the Rochester area, those winters can be brutal. It's not a bad idea. On the other hand, Victor Farmington meets weekly and also offers a hybrid option. I also love how Victor Farmington focuses on recruiting interesting speakers, and that being an attractive aspect of their club. Both clubs have a lot of similarities and differences. Love seeing clubs organized to fit the needs and wants of their members. But how do you have success with a smaller amount of members? How do you manage to plan and carry out the service projects that these clubs are able to do? Let's hear their thoughts on how they're able to do so. Our club is very active. We, our 27 members, we probably have at least 20 that participate in one way or another in most of the activities we have. And then there are others that um, do what they're comfortable with, uh, what interests them, what they have time for, and so on. Um, our fundraisers are are good. We have a, a craft show where everything in that craft show is handmade by Rotarians. We did a Rotary reading rally for two years now. We're going to do a third one uh, in the fall. And our golf tournament is always well attended. And we... We enjoy doing those things. So we have a variety of things to pick up on the interest of all our Rotarians. And even if they don't come to meetings, they get involved one way or another through fundraisers, community service projects, and that kind of thing. And a quick follow-up, Gene, before we head over to Bruce, but like you you mentioned that that Rotarians are, are involved because they they're passionate about, you know, these are the things that they care about. Um, how, how do you gather that feedback? Like when you're making a decision, like how, how do you involve everyone? Most of the time we will discuss things at a club meeting and, or through email if we need to do that. Um, but we do get the input from our members at meetings. Uh, we accept ideas from our club members and um, it's just a lot having to do with communication. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So just open communication, creating a culture where everyone feels like they can propose an idea and it's going to be heard, right? Correct. Cool. Awesome. Bruce, any, any other thoughts about how to, how, to, how to make this work in a smaller club? It's always a challenge to get everybody involved. But, you know, much like Honey Oy, Honey Oy Lake Club, um, everybody, for the most part, has to be involved because we don't have a lot of members, which is actually good. It's good to get people involved early on. Um, the, a lot of the projects, again, it's, it's amazing how similar our clubs are. 
um, are, are brought up from the membership, things that someone might be passionate about. So for instance, we worked with a group called Sleep and Heavenly Peace. And what they do is they build beds for children that are um, that sleep on the floor, essentially, in the city of Rochester. Um, and so that's another group that I'm involved in. And I was pretty passionate about it. So we raised some money. We sponsored a bed build. We got most of our Rotarians involved. We got a lot of the community involved. And then we would build these beds. Um, they, and then they aren't assembled or delivered at that point, but at a later date. So that was a good project that we did. But it's still, it's always difficult to get people involved. And certainly if, if uh, like, like Gene said, if it's, if it's their idea, it's even better, you know? Um, let's see. Um, uh, there's a lot of people, there's kind of a core group who are pretty much involved in almost everything that we do. Um, we're always looking for younger members to help with projects. We actually have three high school students who are kind of honorary members that have helped us on a bunch of projects. Um, and one attends our weekly meetings when we're not in session. So that's kind of how we choose those projects. It's mainly, you know, what someone might be passionate about and how it affects and helps and contributes to the community. Or even we do some global projects too. The big takeaway I have from this section is really focusing on what your members are passionate about. One of my favorite sayings is passion creates action. Finding out what your members are passionate about is so key. But I know what you're thinking. Hey Nick, this is great and all, but our club can't even get a new club officer, let alone carry out an entire service projects. Well, let's take a listen to see how these two smaller clubs manage and organize their club officers despite not having too many members. What we do at Honeyard Lake is either do a co-presidency and switch, like if I were president this year, my co-president would really take over next year, even though we're working strongly together. And um, we also think about doing a team where we might have three or four people working in that role, so to speak, as president. And that helps people get ready to become president on their own. And we found that has been quite effective. Nice. How about you, Bruce, with uh, Victor Farmington? So our club, um, we, as far as officers are concerned, the only thing that we really rotate are president and, and president-elect. Um, we have our, our secretary and our treasurer, foundation chair, have always been pretty um, pretty steady, the same people. It brings a lot of continuity. And actually, they, they know what's happening, um, you know, just historically. So with regard to having, I love the idea of co-presidents that, that Honey Lake has. But what we'll typically have a president and a president-elect and... Um, you know, it's it's always a challenge to find someone who's willing to to take up that mantle. But you know, we've we've always been pretty successful in that. There's been a few years that we've had a president uh, work for two years versus one, um, and and many of us have been president two, three times, sometimes maybe even more that I know that, but I'm not totally sure of. 
So it, it's a challenge to, to get people to step up, but we seem to manage one way or the other. Yeah, that's interesting. I like how you talked about, you know, some of the other club officers being a little bit more steady, a little bit more stable year to year so that they're not always having to transition and, and hand off and do the extra work. I mean, it, it is interesting. Um, if you look at all the different officers that, that Rotary International provides, right, so that you can actually enter into myrotary.org, I think there's now eight because you have the president, secretary, treasurer, membership chair, foundation chair, um, service chair, public image chair, and then, of course, president-elect. So there's quite a few. Um, are you guys in your clubs? And, and then, of course, other clubs are adding extra like friendship or belonging or whatever it may be. Are you, like, are you guys using all of those officers or how do you kind of consolidate that? Because if you get up to 10 to 12 officers, that's almost, you know, over 50% in many cases of your, of your club. We do, as Bruce said, we have our treasurer, our secretary, our foundation board chair, um, secretary of the foundation board, treasurer of the foundation are steady. They, they do not change because once you know what you're doing and your term is over to educate someone new, it takes time. So we do have a consistency as far as officers go besides president, co-president, and president-elect. And, and the same here. We, we don't really have, of the eight, we don't we don't really have eight people in those leadership positions. You know, uh, it's, it's a lot to ask of people to, to do that. Now our board meetings, we tell everybody they're open to the entire club. Anyone can attend our board meeting. And so in that regard, I guess everyone's on the board. Teamwork, leadership development, consistency among club officers, these are all great ideas and ways that a club and a smaller club can create leaders. As Bruce mentions, it is no doubt a challenge finding people to serve in leadership roles. But if there's a system in place that doesn't overwhelm the individual, it is so much easier. I also love that Victor Farmington invites every member to join in their board meeting. What a great way to involve everyone in the decision-making process. Of course, this is one of those benefits to having a smaller club. Lastly, we talk about what advice they have for other clubs in their situation. Let's hear what they have to say. A couple of years ago, we had uh, a get-together where we invited people from the community that we thought would want to join Rotary that had expressed interest in working with us in some way or another, maybe just working at a fundraiser, working at an event. And we invited all those people to uh, a picnic at Sandy Bottom. We were fortunate that we did get several, I probably shouldn't say several. We got some people to join our club um, getting out there, being active, making people aware. Uh, we have in our last five or six members that have joined our club have joined because of something 
Rotary has done that they either worked at or participated in. We have a member that joined because of our Rotary reading rally. He drove in that reading rally when he got done. He said, how do I become a member? We have a member that looked around for a club to join. He visited us. He decided we were the ones that fit his needs, his interest. We have a member who became a Rotarian because of what we do at school and how her kids benefit it. So just getting your name out there, we have a flyer that we put out in different areas and invite people to join and then encouraging current members to reach out to the community, family, friends, neighbors, and invite them to a meeting, let them see what Rotary is all about. And this year we have had already four new members because of those actions. Very nice. How about you, Bruce? Any advice for other uh, clubs wanting to be small but mighty? We do similar things. Uh, The other thing, too, is um, we make sure that everybody knows who our speakers are coming up and encourage them to invite someone to come listen to an interesting speaker. Um, We do get members as a result of community projects. And we also have one of our members is very active in uh, posting uh, pretty much a weekly update on what we do in a local newspaper. The problem is newspaper circulation is down. Um, so, you know, getting getting that information out. Also, we have uh, active Facebook and, um, and Instagram uh, postings as well. A lot of it is being involved in the community, letting the community know what we do, that we're here, that we're helping people, and that if they like that idea, then maybe we're the place for them. As I mentioned, both these clubs have a lot of similarities and differences. What I find most important from our conversation is how they both use multiple ways of receiving communication or feedback from their membership. It's not just one survey, but there are various opportunities for their members to speak up and pursue what they're passionate about. This along with building a system of continuity among club leaders to not overwhelm one individual is just so great. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with Gene and Bruce. And hopefully, you found a few nuggets that you can incorporate into your club. Thanks for listening to this month's episode, and we will see you back soon on All Things Rotary, a CDS podcast.